The multiverse is a concept about which we know frighteningly little. The multiverse is real. Zero wins. Flawless victory. Fatality. Hello, variants. Welcome to the Multiverse of Fabulousness podcast feed for a brand new episode of Freeze Man, hosted by Johnny C, who is I. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Freeze Man has returned after a lengthy absence. Freeze Man is the show here in the Multiverse of Fabulousness where we take a look back at one of the most chilling superstars to ever enter the wars of sports-based entertainment. Freeze Man is where we relive the career of Glacier, everyone's favorite Sub-Zero knockoff. Now, in episode one of our show, we learned... So much about who Glacier was. And I want to sort of recap what we learned in episode one because it has been some time. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Glacier is a unique superstar in professional wrestling. Uh, He was teased for what seemed like forever and a day with the Blood Runs Cold trailers, but he finally made his debut at WCW Monday Nitro in September of 1996. And we learned that Glacier came from a family of police officers, much like the protagonist of Ready to Rumble, Gordy. But Glacier was pulled in another direction, and even though the family of police officers wished that he would become a cop, just like them, he decided, no, I shall become the Batman. But he did leave his family behind and travel the Asian world to learn all different forms of martial arts. He made the decision to blend these martial arts with the catch-as-catch-can style of professional wrestling, returned home to America, and I guess went to the power plant and became a WCW superstar. Yay! We saw a couple of fun things in his arrival. Uh, We learned that he he almost seems to have like a personal referee. Referee Mark Curtis, known as the most expressive referee in all of WCW history, refereed both of his matches in September of 96 on Nitro. And hilariously, 
Uh, both times, Glacier bowed to referee Mark Curtis, and the first time, he's like, uh, oh, okay, uh, thank you for the bow. The second time, he nodded his head. Will referee Mark Curtis continue to be Glacier's personal referee? I don't know. Larry Zabisco educated us about, you know, the hard and soft styles of martial arts. And, you know, I am a black belt in the Okinawan form of Shotokan style. Now, I specifically mentioned Shotokan style because one of the, you know, there's some cornerstones of this show. We're not just reliving Glacier's emergence as a WCW superstar, but we're sort of analyzing his matches with very specific criteria. And when Larry Zabisco name-dropped Shotokan style, there is actually something that I missed. As I learned through some internet research, that Shotokan style of martial arts is the style that the Sub-Zero character for Mortal Kombat primarily uses in the video games. And that, that sort of leads us into the discussion of why we have Freeze Man. We're, we're rating uh, Glacier's matches on a scale. Okay, and we're using very specific criteria to deliver these match grades. All right, so just a refresher before we get into this episode. Now, this episode is going to cover October and early December of 1996. Okay, what we're looking for in these glacier matches that we discuss are basically three different pieces of criteria that we can apply to our match rating. We're looking for, and this is probably the biggest one, overall entertainment value. How much are we entertained? Remember, Johnny C is entertained by good wrestling and bad wrestling. So keep that in mind. We're also looking for references to the Mortal Kombat video game franchise. As I'm sure that, you know, we can all agree that Glacier is somewhat derivative of. And we're also looking for blatant copyright infringement. Is Glacier literally opening the company up to a lawsuit from Midway Games, the, the, the creators of Mortal Kombat? Ironically, Mortal Kombat would later be owned by Warner Brothers, which would later be a part of the empire that is, uh, you know, Time Warner and everything like that. So, you know, but we're not there quite yet in 1996. Now, speaking of how we review and grade these matches, we're going to revamp the ranking scale, because when I when I re-listened to the Freeze Man episode, I didn't like it. Well, I liked the episode, but I didn't like the ranking scale that we were using. Still going off of the basic skeleton of a five-star structure. But we're going to rename the rankings. So a one-star match is forever going to be known from this moment forward as Babelity. Babality, of course, the finishing maneuver in Mortal Kombat where you turn your opponent into a baby and they go, and then they get sampled in that Aaliyah song. I've been watching you like a Tell you need somebody. Tell me that somebody. I think the point's been made, but I can't get a song out of my head. A two-star match will now forever be known as a friendship. Friendship, again. Or just a friendship match. Friendship, of course, is the finishing move in Mortal Kombat where you decide to become friends with your enemy. That's nice. 
right in the middle, the pivot person in the circle jerk, is a three-star match, Animality. Now, I'm not a huge fan of animalities, but at the same time, you're still at least killing your opponent, which is in the vein of Mortal Kombat. So I feel like that's that's good for, you know, the pivot person. A four-star match is now Fatality. That's, I mean, that's what the Mortal Kombat franchise is known for. But you would think, wouldn't that be a five-star match? No, because a five-star match is still going to be known as Sub-Zero wins flawless victory. Fatality, which of course is the pinnacle that every Mortal Kombat combatant is looking for, a flawless victory, and a fatality. And of course, with Sub-Zero is the character of choice, because this is Glacier, after all. Now let's move forward, but also discuss where we've been. Last episode, we saw two matches. Our debut match was against Big Bubba, and folks, as a recap... You should listen to the episode, but we went the full Monty with five stars, Sub-Zero wins, flawless victory, fatality, but the match against Pat Tanaka was a little less than, we gave it an animality three stars, which means we are carrying an average match ranking based on the criteria we discussed of four stars. We are right at fatality. Can the trend continue this week? Well, or this month, I suppose. because Well, these two months, because we're covering a large chunk of ground here on Freeze Man this go-around. Well, it's time to find out. So without any further ado, fight! Now, our first match this evening, first of two big matches here tonight on Freeze Man, it comes to us from the October 7th, 1996 edition of WCW Monday Nitro. It's like almost 27 years old to the day. Uh, close to when this episode releases originally. So that's, you know, 27 is a random number. We can go with that. But it is Hour 1 of Nitro, which tells us a few things. Number one, the Glacier character isn't... No, that's not Hour 2 stuff, folks. I mean, Glacier's pretty cool. I don't know why I'm doing Vincent Grand for Nitro, but Glacier's more of an Hour 1 attraction. Uh, keep him away from Hour 2. Keep him away from the NWO, for God's sakes. But that means... That Tony Schiavone and Larry Zabisco are going to be guiding us through this match as they did the Patanaka match last time. Now, the Glacier segment begins as we're coming back from a commercial. And since we're coming back for a commercial, we get a promo for WCW Saturday Night, which, according to Tony Schiavone, will feature Eddie Guerrero taking on the Disco Inferno. Hey, Rough and Ready in tag team action against Harlem Heat. Rough and Ready? Is that, like, hot and heavy? Is it Elaine Bettis and the guy that plays the saxophone? It's called hot and heavy. I mean, who who is rough and ready? I could have Googled it, but I don't care that much. Plus, Chris Jericho, Hexel, Jim Dugin, Lex Luger, and so much more. 605 Eastern on TBS. And what's with the... Like, I love the WCW Saturday Night you know, like, video graphics package with the, the automated plant, like, building robots. I always wondered. I always wondered if it was a takeoff of the original Terminator film. Because, you know, in that original Terminator, Sarah Connor fights the T-800 in that, I don't know, robot fact, in the factory that will eventually become Cyberdyne Systems. And she's like, you're terminated, fucker. And she crushes him. But, of course, famously, it's revealed in Terminator 2 that the Terminator's arm 
is fully intact. And this WCW Saturday Night promo spends so much time focused on building a robotic arm for a wrestler. I mean, I, there's brand synergy there, pal. Anyway, here comes Mike Winter. Mike Winter, ladies and gentlemen, here to do battle with Glaze. Is this on purpose? Was this guy really just like Mike Jones? And they, I'm Mike Jones. Don't act like you don't know my name. Uh, isn't that also Vincent's name too? But also that rapper guy who was like, I'm Mike Jones. Anybody remember Mike Jones? Am I the only one? I don't know. But was his name like Mike Jones? And then they're like, all right, all right, Jones. This is Eric Bischoff, executive vice president of WCW. Uh, you're going to go out there to fight Glacier. And we need some... We need something that's a little more... Ca- Why don't you be Mike Winter? Because Glacier beats Winter every time. Actually, it should have been like Mike Summer. And, 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 you know, Larry could be like, Well, you know, Summer, automatic advantage against Glacier. He's going to melt him, Tony. The heat from the sun. It's billions of light years away and traveling and increasing in speed, velocity, and heat. And I'll tell you, the sun's got a hell of a golf game, Tony. Where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. So Mike Winter comes out. Tony reminds us that our our most important event, Slim Jim's Halloween Havoc, is still available to order on pay-per-view. Well, of course it is, Tony. It doesn't happen for, like, multiple weeks from now. But that's fine. Mike Winter. So you've probably never seen the guy. I know I hadn't seen him until Freeze Man, episode two. He kind of looks like a de-aged Tank Abbott in the face. Like if Disney got a hold of him and, and de-aged him, you know, like they did Indiana Jones. Here's the problem with the Dial of Destiny fans. Minor spoilers. Minor, very minor. You're going to de-age Harrison Ford for the opening 15 minutes, right? Why are you not de-aging his voice? Okay. That's like if I pulled up Facebook and watched like a 14-year-old video of my daughter, who's only 13. All right, I watched a 10-year-old video of my daughter, and she looks at me, and she's supposed to say, Daddy, I'm hungry, but she sounds like she does now. Uncanny Valley, ladies and gentlemen. It it, it doesn't work. So you got young Harrison Ford being like, oh, oh, goddamn Nazis. We're always fighting each other. No, it needs to be, uh Goddamn Nazis, we're always fighting each other. Because he's younger then! But Mike Winter, shades of a DH tank habit, but he has Scott Steiner's Galoob action figure mullet. If you had that one. Mike Winter has a very tough task ahead of him because he will face a man who has been very, very impressive. A man who has brought a new style to our sport. A man that has changed, or that has caught the imagination of youngsters and adults alike. We're talking about Glacier! Yeah, he's very impressive. A man that has a lot of intrigue around him. The arena darkens. Blue lasers fire into the arena. Techno music pulsates through my eardrums. And if you don't believe me, ladies and gentlemen, Larry Zabisco with the call. You know, this could be a very interesting matchup. Hey! Look at these lights! Laser beams everywhere, fans! <laughs> I know it's not that funny, but just the idea of Tony Schiavone being like, Fans! Laser beams everywhere! Like, I just, it really makes me chuckle. 
Glacier emerges from the backstage area and he walks backwards to the beat of his music. With each new drop of bass, he takes a step. 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 Listen to the roar of the fans for Glacier. We get a nice, beautiful shot of Glacier standing backwards. You know... There's a lot of history alone, and just the helmet that he wears. Oh, please, God, Larry, educate me, please. Glacier turns to face us, and we see his beautiful visage with the one blue eye. The helmet is like over 300 years old. The helmet is removed by Glacier as he stares ice daggers into the camera. He still has his blue face paint acting as a replacement for the real Sub-Zero's scar. Hey, how about I just said the real Sub-Zero? <laughs> uh. Anyway, Larry continues to educate about the helmet. It's passed down from Sensei to Sensei! Tony puts over the style of Glacier and the combinations, uh, you know, as Glacier walks, staying, saying, quote, Glacier has brought a style, combination of martial arts and wrestling style here to the wars of WCW. <laughs> he says the wars of WCW. Larry adds, yeah, he also brings his own blizzard. You gotta wrestle this guy with snow boots. No question about it. There's an ice cream joke in here somewhere. I'm not gonna make it because it's too easy, but poor Tony just having to go along with what Larry says. No question about it. Larry furthers explains the challenges that one can face when you wage war with Glacier. Well, it's a unique style. It's complicated to deal with because it's a combination of fluid movement with the hard, fast, direct styles. And to combat that, you've got to be an expert in both. You know, soft and hard styles. Well, Folks, I don't know anything about soft style, but I certainly know something about hard style. <laughs> yeah, that's an erection joke. Uh, there are, there really are, though, no words to explain how much I love fucking Larry Zbysko talking about Glacier. Uh, speaking of which, the Glacier Man mounts the turnbuckle, removes all of his armor, and he unleashes a chilling martial arts yell. Shivani explains that while many wrestlers have studied martial arts, it's usually just one style, and it is usually, quote, easy to deal with. So all those times, Jim Ross in like the early 90s and late 80s would be like, uh, Stan Lane uh, training the martial arts and it makes him uh, even more effective here, uh, Jesse the Body Ventura. That's right. And don't forget about beautiful Bobby. He knows Kung Fu too, Jim Ross. Just ask him. Anywho. Uh, Glacier, however, is the opposite of that, according to Tony, because he's blended many forms of martial arts. Glacier hits center ring. A spotlight shines on him, and he does his cheerleader routine. Larry adds more information for us. Look at the kata movements right here. The combinations of hard are right there. Direct, straight-out style. Spinning of the Korean style. But you're right. A lot of guys stick to one style, not Glacier. 
The music comes to a conclusion right as Glacier bows to the crowd. Glacier backs into the corner. We now have the blue spotlight focused on the ring now. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, referee Mark Curtis slides into the ring. He will be our official for this encounter. Mark Curtis calls for the bell to ring. Glacier steps out of the corner and the bell now rings. Now, the bell is rung. Glacier has stepped out of the corner. Which means, ladies and gentlemen, Glacier is currently engaged in an active sports entertainment war. But he takes the time to bow to referee Mark Curtis. And ladies and gentlemen, happy to report, Mark Curtis bows back. Mostly. He tilts his head forward and, and sort of angles his body slightly towards Glacier. Like, alright, I'll play along this time, Glacier. It's, it's beautiful to see. Glacier then turns to bow to Mike Winter, but Winter refuses to bow and rushes towards his foe. Glacier, however, easily grabs an arm and takes the man down. Zabisco reminds us that Glacier's bow movements that he does. No, not his bow movements. <laughs> That's a Freudian slip. But the movement he does when he bows. Because remember, when Glacier bows, he has one palm open, puts his fist to it, and then bows. All right, you got to keep that movement in your head. Because according to Larry, the fist into the hand indicates that Glacier will not use the deadly art that he knows against his opponent until it's absolutely necessary. If you don't believe me, listen to our last episode where he explained it in greater detail. Larry then transitions to comment on the takedown that Glacier just did. Look at the takedown, a version of Aikido! Glacier is back up into a ready stance. Mike Winter lunges, but a straight kick to the abdomen is delivered by Glacier. Mike Winter is bent forward in pain. So Glacier decides to press back and low kick on his controller and unleashes a Mortal Kombat leg sweep. Glacier remains crouched down after the leg sweep with his hands and an exaggerated pose. One pointed north, the other pointed south, and he's just like... He looks to the crowd for approval. He does not receive it. Glacier stands up in a ready stance. Mike Winter charges. A drop toe hold delivered by the Iceman and an arm ringer is locked in. Glacier can hit with anything. Soft, fluid, you know, hard. In the face. Larry appears to also be describing my bedroom prowess. Thank you very much. Soft fluids, hard in the face. Both men are up. Mike Winter hits an elbow to the face. Shades of me in the bedroom, I guess. Backs Glacier into the corner. Drives some shoulders into Glacier. A corner whip, but no! Glacier reverses and rolls forward and hits a thrust kick to the gut of Mike Winter. Mike Winter is crouching forward, ladies and gentlemen. Glacier is standing by his side, and for no reason other than to show that he can do it, Glacier rolls over Mike Winter's back and lands on the other side of his man. Uh, jumping front back kick delivered by Glacier. Oh, it's hard to compete with that. Winter had no idea where he was going. And when he found out his foot was in his face, it was too late, Tony. No shit, Larry. Glacier with an inverted sidewalk slam, showing his pro wrestling base. Glacier enters a fighting stance. Mike Winter stands up. A boring chant is started here in Savannah. 
Mike Winter is standing dangerously close to the ropes. Glacier hits a drop kick. Hey, wrestling! And Mike Winter flies over the top rope. Winter having problems with Glacier. That is something new in our sport. Everyone is having problems with him. Tony Schiavone. I love shoot comments that aren't supposed to be shoot comments. Well, you know, Glacier is hard to grab. Hey! No, Larry's not confused. He yells, hey. Because hey equals uh, Glacier leaping over the top rope and hitting a plunge into the outside uh, on top of Mike Winter. So, hey, is how uh, Larry calls that. Glacier puts Mike Winter back inside the ring. He does the Brock Lesnar leap to the apron. Unfortunately, his legs don't shatter. Glacier is in the ring, set in a ready stance. Cryonic kick is delivered. One, two, three. Larry Zabisco is hopeful that Mike Winter has himself a dental plan. Not because Lisa needs braces, but because, you know, the cryonic kick right to the face. I know a dentist, Mike Winter, but if you get into a real problem, you still need to call a doctor, okay? It's just a dentist. Glacier poses as his music pulsates and lasers begin to flare. More snow falls from the arena as Tony calls Glacier, quote, Mr. Excitement! Zabisco adds, Mr. Discipline, too! You know, in order to master Kung Fu, to Okinawan, to Korean, you need a lot of discipline. And that's why, at Tony, I think he's wearing that old helmet. Larry, you and your helmet knowledge, just keep bringing it. Zabisco delivers the icing on the cake as Glacier holds the helmet. You know, the helmet has to do with becoming the chosen one. Oh my god. The chosen one helmet. I don't know what it means, but apparently Glacier is the chosen one of all martial arts. The WCW Nitro logo hits in the lower right-hand corner. I think we're going to commercial, but we're not. A little Royal Rumble countdown uh, clock starts. There's 57 seconds to go until hour two of Nitro begins. Glacier is stuck in the ring doing his kata pose as the entire timer runs down. Tony's like, we promised fans a dandy of hour two. Tony gives him shit for using the word dandy. But fans, Jeff Jarrett's going to be in action. Plus the Macho Man versus Ric Flair. That sounds pretty good. Plus the NWO is here. Rick Steiner versus Chris Benoit as well. The countdown concludes. A massive amount of pyrotechnics is ignited, which means Glacier is melting and he's out of here. So this match is done. Now, let's uh, let's see what we got here. When it comes to Mortal Kombat references, of course, one of our major criteria, they're not too many here. The leg sweep we've discussed is a staple of Mortal Kombat competition. It could be a little more common in professional wrestling when you've got, you know, those trained in martial arts in the ring. You know, someone who is from Asia using stereotypical WCW, uh, you know, matching scenarios. Not real stereotypes, of course. But uh, we saw so many in previous matches. That is, references to Mortal Kombat. You know, we saw... Uh, I almost said Sub-Zero. We saw Glacier sort of do Sub-Zero's slide special maneuver. We had Eric Bischoff say flawless on commentary. Uh, there were no uppercuts, as we saw. Uh, so, the Mortal Kombat stats, not too high this go-around. Copyright infringement, nothing out of the ordinary. You know, Glacier is still basically just a carbon copy of Sub-Zero. Uh, there was nothing added to his 
accoutrement, if you will, and they didn't try to steal anything verbatim, so nothing too big there. I'll tell you what's going to carry the match ranking for this one, folks. Entertainment value. And I got so much entertainment out of this. The legend of Glacier himself deepens as we learned about the Chosen One helmet. And and Larry continues to cosplay as some sort of a fucking lord of martial arts on commentary. I'm absolutely here for it. I can't go full Monty because, you know, not enough of the other stuff. Lots of entertainment. I'm going fatality or four stars. Again, not enough to go to the full five, but a lovely addition to the Glacier Cannon for October. And that's the only appearance in all of October. Ladies and gentlemen. And so, you would think, alright Johnny, just go to November. But wait a minute. No Nitro appearances in November? What is going on? As the Joe Schmo show might say. Well folks, I am ready to reveal the mysteries of what is going on. But to do that, we have to transition to the future. Which of course took place in the past is now our present and we're gonna go to december all the way to the icy cold month of december 1996 it's december 2nd 1996 to be more specific and hey this episode of nitro takes place in my old stomping grounds the Hera arena in dayton ohio Hey, that's where I saw my very first WWF house show on the road to WrestleMania 6. I am not young, ladies and gentlemen. Now, I, as soon as I researched this all was in Hera Arena, I remembered, uh, because this episode of Nitro was covered a little more recently than our the one in October on the Wrestling Warzone over on the North-South Connection Podcast Network, and I recall this is famously the episode where Hall and Nash do commentary with Bischoff and take over, and I'm sure it was tremendous uh, to listen to. We are 20, although I will say this about Hera, I don't think it exists anymore. Uh, I'm more of a Nutter Center guy in Dayton. Uh, the Nutter Center is, you know, well, not only is it on the campus of where I went to university, uh, that's how we say it in America. We say, yes, well, I attended university. Uh, we don't ever say, that's why I went to college. That's uh, for the Brits, you know, no. I attend university at the, at the Newton Center, right campus of Root State University. And you know, Wright State University, I am still waiting for the residual checks for you all using my likeness on your website to promote students attending the Wright State University, where you can become the new you. Look at this handsome fucker named Johnny C. Don't you want to fuck him? Ladies, gentlemen, all comers. <laughs> all comers. <laughs> I love it when a plan comes together. But uh, I prefer the Nutter Center over the Hair Arena, obviously. Uh, it's easy to get in, uh, in and into. It's easy to get out of, much like Johnny C. <laughs> ah! 27 days until Starcade 1996, where Rowdy Roddy Piper puts Hulk Hogan to sleep. And it's our one match one, ladies and gentlemen. Our very opening contest. Tony and Larry are here to commentate again. Uh, they're hyping Hogan and Piper. But then let's get down to the ring. And here he comes, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, my goodness, though. So- something, something has gone awry. 
Before something has gone awry, though, as the lights go down, Tony Schiavone lets us know that some of the greatest wrestling fans in the world are here in Dayton, Ohio, which sounds like something that you would say when you know you're emanating from a city that's less than. Like if you're in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Nothing against Cheyenne, Wyoming. I mean, I've never been there, but it's not like being live from the Staples Center or the Barclays Center, you know. Some great fans here in Cheyenne, Wyoming! But what is what was I hyperventilating about before I got into my Tony Schiavone comment? The whole universe has gone awry because Glacier has different music. And, and this is really where it starts to kick in. Not the edibles, but the fact that I realize that it's been two months in the real world. Glacier makes his entrance. He's no longer performing his kata in the entrance way. The lights are dimmed, but I'm not seeing much blue here, folks. And there's no snow falling from the ceiling. What is going on? However, happy to report he does have the helmet of the chosen one adorned on his brow. Larry Zabisco picks right up where he left off two months ago. Now, Tony, here's a man of discipline. Combine the hard styles with mat techniques. I got he, every fucking time, Glacier removes the helmet of the Chosen One and winks into the camera. Is Glacier now in on the joke, ladies and gentlemen? Larry Zabisco, though, catches us up on what happened to Glacier, and this is all we're going to get, folks. So really give it a listen. Some mystery surrounding where he's been the last four or five weeks. <laughs> and some kind of special training. Who knows what else he's added to his very unique repertoire. His opponent, ladies and gentlemen, waiting in the ring is Hard Body Harrison. Pause. Okay. Now, I'm not familiar with Hard Body Harrison the same way I was not familiar with a Mike Winter. But this guy looked a little more... I guess like I would expect a professional wrestler to look like he's in he's in shape and everything like that and I was like who's hard body Harrison and plus he's got a name you know Mike Winter is just Mike Winter he's not like the incorrigible Mike Winter or the gambler you know hard body Harrison though sounds like more of a character so I decided to look up old hard body Harrison and folks I was not pleased with the results now, whomever Hardbody Harrison might truly be, uh, apparently Harrison Norris Jr., uh, no relation to Chuck, uh, from Kennesaw, Georgia, currently aged 57, occupation listed as pro wrestler. Oh, the poor man. Can you imagine putting that on a legal document? But folks, Hardbody Harrison ran into some trouble in December of 1996 when he went one-on-one with the master of the hard and soft styles named Glacier. Apparently... Hard body Harrison, a master of the hard style, but I think he took it a little too far. On October 18th, 2005, hard body Harrison was arrested by the FBI on a nine count federal indictment for false imprisonment and trafficking women for commercial sex acts. In November of 2007, he was found guilty and convicted by a federal judge in Atlanta, Georgia, on charges related to keeping eight women as sex slaves. 
during the proceedings for which he served as his own attorney, shades of Jesse the Body Ventura, I imagine, that Jesse would do, Harrison contended the women lived in his homes with his wife and child because they wanted to train as professional wrestlers and that he had helped them quit drugs. Witnesses contended that Harrison manipulated the women psychologically, forced them to have sex with him, and required them to participate in large sex orgies involving up to eight men at a single time. We've stopped laughing. The victims contended that Harrison's rigid training regimen consisted of a wide variety... (laughs) This is not... This is not funny. I mean, it's not. Like, it's not... But... Here's the set. The victims contended that Harrison's rigid training regimen consisted of a wide variety of exercises and household chores. Now, that's... I was laughing at the household chores because, you know, like Daniel LaRusso, he's painting the fence, he's waxing the car. Like, at what point do you realize this old man's just making me clean his house? Uh, But they also had to memorize a series of commandments commandments that were designed to make them attractive prostitutes and then he pimped them out to nightclubs, trailer parks, apartments, hotels and in the back of his own truck. Definitely the, the less glamorous of the, of the locations. Uh, they were all around North Carolina and Georgia until a few of the women went to the police. Uh, failure to complete the chores or breaking rules required the women to pay money to Harrison creating a never-ending debt cycle. Uh, mm, I'm not going to make any comments. Like, it's not funny. Like, I want to make that very clear. Just the idea of, like, like, picture a sitcom, if you will, okay, where a person brings in a group of many individuals, women, men, children, dogs, let's say, and he's like, so all you've got to do are all my chores, and that will teach you how to be a better salesperson, let's just say. And then, if you don't do the chores, you got to pay him, and you have to still do the chore. And then, like, I don't know. Like, I just, it, it seems like it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But, Hardbody Harrison, I guess you reap what you sow, and Glacier is here to avenge your victims. All right, back to the match itself. Glacier enters the ring and poses on the turnbuckle, as he usually does. And now some snow starts to fall, finally. So I guess they're saving money on the snow-based presentation, which makes sense, because Glacier is not exactly uh, setting the box office on fire here. Uh, He removes his mask and yells, as he usually does, Hey! You got a defroster for my monitor! Tony indeed confirms that this is the return after an extended absence of Glacier. Glacier enters the center of the ring and does do a display of kicks and twirls. Look at the balance and the command of his body that he has. Also, what my wife says about me. Uh, Glacier does still have one blue eye and his paint, of course. And he finishes his posing with the music shutting off, as he usually does. Tony lets us know that another man that shares the attributes of Glacier is Rowdy Roddy Piper. (laughs) Now I want to see Rowdy Roddy Piper do the exact same Glacier entrance. Referee Mark Curtis is not here. Replaced by WCW referee Scott Dickinson. Oh, man. Hardbody Harrison is cosplaying as Elijah Burke, the ECW extremist this week. The bell rings and we're underway. 
Glacier! Center of the ring bows to Hardbody Harrison. He pivots and then bows to referee Scott Dickinson. But oh no! Hardbody Harrison attacks mid-bow. Has Glacier not caught on to the pattern here? Hardbody Harrison is all like, punch, punch, punch. And he's clearly an alleged abuser of steroids. An Irish whip, though, by Hardbody Harrison is reversed. And Glacier hits a rock-bottom bossman slam chop. A rock-bottom bossman slam chop. Well, what the hell is that, you might ask? So as Hardbody Harrison approaches Glacier after being Irish whipped, Glacier sort of grabs him and and sort of a rock bottom slash boss man slam style but then he actually just chops him maybe i'm not quite sure but hardbody harrison takes a back bump so i don't know what to tell you all right glacier doesn't go down with the slam it i you know just watch the match for yourself and see if you can describe it any better i dare you Hardbody Harrison is up, but lunges forward, but eats a punch from Glacier. And then a vicious thrust kick to the side. And another. And another. And then Hardbody Harrison is in the corner, and Glacier unleashes chops. Kick. Open palm strike. Another kick. Open palm strike. Palm strike. Palm strike. Oh, my God. Combo. Hardbody Harrison is down in the corner, unable to use his combo breaker. But that is Killer Instinct, the video game. Not Mortal Kombat. Did, Did anybody else play Killer Instinct? Just hoping that you'd pull off a combo breaker. That way the announcer could go combo breaker. And when you pull it off the Ultra Combo, he'd go, Ultra Combo! Well, don't believe me. Just listen. Combo Breaker! Ultra Combo! See? Did you listen? That was him right there. Hey, don't forget to add that sound effect in uh, post-production. So Hardbody Harrison's down in the corner. Glacier is stomping an ice hole as opposed to a mud hole. Glacier decides to roll backwards for no reason. Stands and hits a martial arts pose. The crowd in Dayton cheers, thus proving that Tony's claims about the Dayton faithful were completely incorrect. A clothesline from uh, Glacier. No, wait. No, fuck. Hardbody Harrison is up. A clothesline from Glacier misses, but Glacier hits a leg sweep. We've discussed it. Hardbody Harrison is up. Glacier is posing. Cryonic kick. One, two, three. Just like that. The match is over in like a minute. And 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 really, nobody said anything f- too funny. Glacier made it look easy to maneuver your body like that. Sweep somebody's leg out in the wink of an eye. Glacier poses in the center ring. Does his kata. And we head to a commercial. When we come back, Glacier's gone. Vanished from existence. Oh, Glacier. So, what was he really up to? Was he rehoning his body, Shades of Bruce Wayne, after the Infinite Crisis? Or was he just being retooled? Or were they just trying to figure out how to save money on his presentation? I don't know. But here's what I do know about this return of Glacier with a slightly different coat of paint. I'm unamused! I'm giving this match friendship. So, only two stars... 
there's just really nothing going on here. The fact that I learned so much about Hardbody Harrison and, you know, Larry Zbysko, I guess, is always at least somewhat entertaining when Glacier comes out. But I, I couldn't do, you know, babality, but, but friendship, I think, is where I'm going to leave it. There's just nothing going on, which means we've covered four Glacier matches here on Freeze Man, and we've got a running average of three and a half stars in between animality and fatality. So we've slid down half of a star here, given the results of Freeze Man Episode 2. How will we trend the next time we get together? Well, I'm not sure, because it hasn't happened yet. But folks, I am here to tell you that our next episode should be a doozy. Not only will we have Glacier doing one-on-one battle with the Disco Inferno in December of 1996, but also in December of 1996, ladies and gentlemen, an epic event. As many of you may know, in Mortal Kombat, before you get to the final boss, you usually have a mirror match. For example, if you select Johnny Cage, you will have to fight Johnny Cage before you get to the big boss. Well, next time on Freeze Man, Glacier has a bit of a mirror match with a twist. Because Glacier will go one-on-one with Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker of the Highway Patrol, a man of law and order. Glacier will be doing battle with what could have been if he had followed the career trajectory of his family and became an officer of law and order. Glacier will be facing an alternate multiverse variant of himself with universe-shattering implications. I have no idea what is going to happen on the next episode of Freeze, man, but I absolutely cannot fucking wait, and I encourage you to come on that journey with us, and come on a journey with us every time a new episode drops on the Multiverse of Fabulousness podcast feed. We travel from Earth to Earth talking about wrestling, comics, movies, TV, just all kinds of shit. And it gets more ludicrous every time, but it's also also very streamlined. For example, the latest edition of Concrete Man covers In Your House, It's Time. And we compl- we stay completely on the rails for that entire show. Give it a listen. It was a fun one. And make sure you subscribe to the Multiverse of Fabulousness so you get notified whenever new content drops. I'm Johnny C! And a winner is you.